Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast. And I'm your host, John June. I'm joined by my good friend, Matthew McCarthy. Matt, what is up, man? Uh, I'm doing pretty excellent. You know, uh, it's another I'm always a big fan of when you call me up, just like, hey, do you want to record in three hours? and Let's see what happens sort of deal. Uh, I like that sort of stuff. So I'm happy that uh, we're going to do it once again. Uh, we're going to be breaking down a little bit of sleeper sites. We're coming right down, you know, really down to it, man. You know, t- this weekend, next weekend, people are drafting. So we just kind of say like, hey, what are the last few things we can really talk about before the season really kicks off? Uh, so we're going to keep it kind of quick and light just hit up like hit up the positions or like you know get in and get out sort of deal so uh if you want to get into it we can just get into it right now oh no man absolutely like you said we are going to discuss some of these sleeper players these lower tier players some of these players that would you say off the grid per se but going (laughs) through position by position just kind of have a discussion about these guys and and you know what their value you know what they may what what value they could potentially add to your fantasy team. So let's start at the quarterback position, Matt. Who's your first guy here that you uh you want the people to know about in fantasy land? So quarterbacks can be a little bit different. So usually in like one QB leagues, you know, if everyone takes one quarterbacks, so we're talking 12 guys. So it's kind of like who's really moving down towards the bottom end uh, of the whole spectrum. And it seems a little strange because, like, to my idea of, like, how players can be thought of compared to the real life, um, I, I understand that sleepers for here, you got to start looking at, like, who might not even get drafted. Um, so someone who might even get not really get picked up currently. Uh, guys like, you know, Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, James Winston. Like, we're starting to look at, like, that real tier for me as, like, real sleepers. So really, when it comes down to I me, mean, we have some recent news here to really solidify a quarterback position down there in New Orleans. And really shout you know, really heart goes out to anyone. Currently, there's a hurricane coming through right now. So let's see how that actually works out. But um, really just want to make sure everyone down there first stays safe for sure. Um, but James Winston today, you know, it's where we finally have the news you know, broke a few days ago that. You know, Winston is looked like is now going to be the guy. So what does a 2021 New Orleans Saints really going to look like? So the big thing is, yes, we don't have Michael Thomas. Optimistically, maybe he's around by week seven, the week six by, you know, comes back on Monday Night Football week seven against the Seattle Seahawks. But Winston, what can Winston do? We know he has the big arm. We know he has the 5000 yard potential. We know he has the 30 touchdown potential. And technically, yes, he does have the 30 interception potential. We know this, right? That's why we're not looking at as, as a top 12 option. We're looking at, hey, you know, one QB leagues, possibly you're taking a second quarterback. I've been really harping on this year over on my Twitter at Methodical One to say, hey, those last few rounds, I'm not really taking a receiver. I'm looking at quarterback, tight end, running back, really anyone else. So maybe you want to beat the way we're looking at Jameis Winston, right? Or in Superflex, I think he's a high end option for your second QB. So with Winston, I understand we don't have Thomas and Kamara is going to be such a big playmaker out of the backfield. So we have Marcus Callaway and we have Traquan Smith and maybe Adam Trammell. Let's understand how that goes, right? But what he does is he ables to, you know, really move the ball downfield that we are really going to really see out of Taysom Hill. I think Hill is still going to be used. There will be packages that haven't brought in maybe near the goal line. If that's a real deterrent to Winston, again, we're not drafting to be your week one starter in one QB leagues. I understand this, but we look at a guy where it's like, okay, Who's a guy that's going to possibly pop up on waiver wire list as early as week two or week one? James Winston currently kind of fits that bill. Do not take him as a week one starter. I don't really recommend that. Is Let's really wait and see exactly how it's going to look like. 
But a big arm, 5,000-yard, 30-touchdown season doesn't just really happen. And really over there in Tampa Bay, you have seen it before. I mean, Brady in 2020 struggled before, you know, week eight or so. He was really kind of had to really get his feet underneath him with that offense. Carson Palmer back with Arizona when Bruce Arians was there. Bruce Arians really puts a lot of pressure on his offense to operate a certain way. And back in what that big, you know, 2019 season with Jameis, yeah, he was just throwing a ton of balls downfield, a lot of 50-50 stuff that just couldn't come down with. He's gotten eye surgery since. A lot of weird things have happened for Jameis for him to land in the spot he is now. But I think Jameis Winston's a guy that outside the top 12 I think needs to be really looked at. Another one would be Ben Roethlisberger, a guy who can possibly throw for 600-plus attempts in this 17-game season. We have him currently having three receivers being drafted by ADP within the top 75 and within the top 30 receivers. Ben Roethlisberger, I'm not going to spend too much time on him, but it's another one I think if you're going to put a second quarterback stash candidate on your team, I think that's the other guy I'm really looking at right now in Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, no, Jameis Winston was definitely my my first guy as well, so I definitely <laughs> agree with that one. I mean, you just look at him over his career. I mean, he's got uh, two top 13 finishes, a top three finish in 2019, which was the, you know, the infamous 30 for 30 year. But he's never had Sean Payton, and I think that part's important. Um, he, he also has talked about the – relationship with Drew Brees and what that tutelage was like for him and learning how you know he has he doesn't have to you know try to try to make the big play on every play right just you know the 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 aggregation of these marginal gains right like get a first down keep getting this first down and then you put yourself in position to get these touchdowns and so I think that part of it's important and you add the weapons around him I think Alvin Kamara is going to be probably his number one target uh, alongside Marquez Callaway. So, you know, I think when you just look at the weapons or, and the play caller and the situation, plays in a dome, you know, he's plays in, uh, you know, the Atlanta has a dome as well. So he'll have game, an extra dome game there. And then wherever, however else the, the their schedule breaks. But, you know, I think Jameis Winston definitely fits the bill as your typical late round quarterback at this point right now especially in a, in a game with a high over-under in week one against the Green Bay Packers. Um, and then I know you said Ben Roethlisberger is your guy. I'm just like, a don't draft Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> it's just a personal thing. I mean, I totally get it. I'll stream him from time to time. But, you know, I just – there's like that one – like recently there's like that one game out of the year where he'll get you that 20-plus points – but typically, you're just like, it's like 17. You want a really spicy one, then? You don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I got another one for you if you really want it. What's that? Jimmy Garoppolo. San Francisco. Okay. So here's a problem. Jimmy Garoppolo is a real hot shot to start this entire season, and we're never going to see you know Lance really take a snap under center. The problem we have him compared to you know Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, those teams are either in, in positions where they don't have another quarterback to really take that real precedent, or in Chicago, where the coaching staff and the team feels that they kind of need to get things together this exact second. And if Dalton doesn't play out for them, they're really going to be in the hot seat, especially, you know, with Nagy and that management, you know, core over there for Chicago. People are going to be really on them to not play Andy Dalton as soon as week one. We already hear the boos are out for them. San Francisco is a different story. Two years ago, this was a Super Bowl team. This was a team last year that took. You know, they only played together two games. I've said this on multiple times. I might have said this on your other podcasts when I shot, you know, stopped in another a few weeks ago. 
Jimmy G, along with the three main pass catchers for San Francisco, played a total of two games together. Those three passing options of Brandon Yook, Debo Samuel, and uh, George Kittle only played four games together as just those three without even including Jimmy G. But like week seven was like they were against New Orleans. Uh, so, excuse me, New England. That team really came together as their best offensive week of the entire year. Scored like 35 points against them. Really totally trounced them. Defense was messed up. The running game was like the, the amount of injuries on that team completely sunk that year. But in 2019, this is a team that had a near top 12 finish for Jimmy Garoppolo with only like three or four quarterbacks throwing less pass attempts in terms of fantasy points. He was there. They wanted him to be the guy and they saw everything kind of work together. Just couldn't really put together in the Super Bowl. But yeah, Jimmy G is another guy where, you know, again, Superflex or in redraft, I think it needs to be looked at, especially in week one against the Detroit Lions. This is a weekly based game. There's a chance that Jimmy G's one of the highest scoring quarterbacks in week one, and he's not even going to be drafted in a lot of leagues. So if we're talking about like real sleepers. I think Jimmy G needs to be talked about. I, trust me, I understand. I want Trey Lance to be a thing so badly, but it's because I like San Francisco so much. There are three teams I really want a big part of this year. Dallas, San Francisco, and the LA Chargers. If I get any bit of those guys from those teams, I'm happy. <laughs> Yeah, no, Jimmy G is definitely a, a a sleeper at the quarterback position this year. I mean, he's left for dead, but he still has Kyle Shanahan. He still plays in a talented offense, and ultimately he's still going to be a streaming option at the position. Um, I've got another guy for you, though. Oh, yeah. Let me hear it. <laughs> How about Kirk Cousins? Okay, that's the other guy I was going to say, because every year we – they they don't throw the ball week one. They they, they want to you know we uh we, we go out there and like all right they're gonna I think last year was like 15 pass attempts was like the week one total for Cousins <laughs> and then they have to turn it on because their defense is nowhere near as good as it used to be so they're like okay we start have to start you know turning the ball down you know downfield and Zimmer's like all right our old, this whole style doesn't work and he's you know a big curmudgeon about the whole thing but yeah you're exactly right all these guys I think should po- probably be drafted instead of you know also the rookies like you know fields and lancet if you want to really take those are really high upside picks i understand that completely get it but if you're a guy to take two quarterbacks i think i'd rather take these guys because the upside is pretty high compared to like joe burrow understand he's his playing time is locked in i don't really like guys who are playing scared and i don't really understand if he's fully healthy and, but he's a starter. Like it's it's weird because these are all guys you're taking literally with your last pick, yeah. literally in like round 18 or just yeah. like these are not starters at all. But I really love what could possibly happen because quarterbacks are going to get hurt or be disappointing or yada yada yada. I love all of these names for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. And the thing I like about Kirk Cousins back to back to him. I mean, he's got Week One against Cincinnati, which they they were actually much better on defense last year, but they did have, they did suffer some losses, especially in the secondary. They get Arizona, which you know is going to be a high scoring game. And then Seattle, whose defense last year was absolutely uh, horrendous, especially, especially against the pass. And then Kirk Cousins on top of that, he was a top 12 quarterback in terms of fantasy points per drop back last year. And in terms of passing fantasy points per drop back, he was top five. And so this is a guy who's going to get it done. He's, He's got two weapons on the outside in Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I think that he, you know, 
wow, he's he's always the meme. He's always a joke of like you know one of the jokes on memes and stuff. I think Kirk Cousins is still a viable fantasy option. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I, one thing I will say the 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 argument against uh, they're not really running a lot of plays. So on terms of like average plays per game, they're like 19th last year in the league. They just had a lot of really big plays. They were third in the league and told teams average yards per game around like almost 400. There's like a, like one or two teams ahead of them. It's like the Chiefs and, you know, the Cowboys are normally, I think it was like 2019 is like another one. But um, obviously not last year because of Dak going down. But the the red zone efficiency is another one. They were very good near the red zone. You know, with Dillon, Jefferson and Cook. That's a team where if you have two guys who are pretty much like locked in like top 12 options, you know, you're going to see both Jefferson and Cook most likely go in the first two rounds. Cook is a first one through three pick. I think, yeah, I think there's really something to be said about the guy who, you know, literally needs to give them the ball in one aspect or or another. Uh, So Cousins, I think once again, is going to be undrafted. And once again, it's going to be a week one, two, three sort of pickup. And we'll be like, okay, cool. Ride Cousins a few weeks if he ever is disappointing for you, which might come in like, you know, his fourth matchup of the year against the Cleveland Browns, which I think is a very strong defense this year. Then yeah, don't start him. You're doing drafting the start for you anyway. So I love it. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to the running back position. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one guy that I have to beat the drum for, Ty Johnson. I mean, Michael Carter has gotten a lot of love, and I've been guilty of it myself. <laughs> and I started off in the hey, Michael Carter's ADP is too high, but all the reports out of camp was Michael Carter was getting run with the first team, yada, 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 all this stuff. But then you see the preseason games, and it seems to be Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson running with the ones, Michael Carter coming in occasionally with the ones, but most most of his time has been spent with the backups. So I'm not going to pay the eighth-round price, seventh, eighth-round price that it costs to get Michael Carter on my fantasy teams. Instead, I will pay the later round price, sometimes 14, 15, 16, 17th round yeah. price. Undrafted, on, you know. <laughs> undrafted on Ty Johnson. So, Matt, what are you thinking about the running back position? And is Ty Johnson on your list of potential sleepers? Uh, for sure. I uh, actually think I believe we drafted him to Scott Fishbowl in the, like round two billion. I got the Scott Fishbowl t-shirt on, you know, that's the, uh, that's a guy where the whole issue right now is Michael Carter was a guy who shared the backfield with Javante Williams and, you know, Denver goes out and drafts Williams in the second round. We got Carter here in the fifth round. These are guys who are not used to splitting, you know, having the whole work. They're used to splitting time. And that was very silly for them to come in and immediately run these backfields no matter what, especially in New York, which I've talked about, I believe, Listen, you're the Jets guy, so I'm not going to talk talk to you about them. But I believe this is a team that was very smart in putting a comfortable veteran system around Wilson to be successful year in you know his first year. And having you know Coleman or Johnson in there gives some veteran presence in the backfield because Michael Carr to immediately step in, have an entire rookie backfield of both Wilson and Carter. I don't think is a very successful strategy and i think it's a very risky plan you know there's a one thing we like about in in football is fantasy points but one thing you don't get fancy points is blocking and typically that's something you need to really kind of learn how to do at the nfl level to pick up big fast guys who know how to get past blockers and know how to get to the quarterback and it's all sort of things that i think he needs to learn a little bit in terms of michael carter so yeah ty johnson even tevin coleman if he stays healthy for x amount of time you know whichever guy is going to run out there week one I think it's going to have some value. I think this Jets offense overall is not 
amazing. It won't be top 15, but I think it's going to be top 20. I think it's going to actually surprise people in a lot of aspects, mostly because I think it's A, a very good coaching staff, and B, I think it's just smart. I think it's a smart, safe system that's not going to make anything too crazy. But down there, really, in terms of guys like along with Ty Johnson, in terms of like real deep sleepers, uh, Damian Williams. Damian Williams, who took off all of 2020 because he, uh, he had the COVID year, he opted out. And Damian Williams now there at the Chicago Bears. So technically, he is the third running back on the team. But two things about the guys in front of him. And honestly, he only needs one of them to have something go down for him to really step into a better role. Williams is able to handle both the rushing load, if anything would happen to Montgomery, or the passing role, if anything would happen to Cohen. And Cohen has hit the pup at times. We've had Montgomery get banged up in camp. Cool. We have very low touches for Williams' career, like only 400 for his entire career. Does not have the entirety of last season off, so he's very fresh, ready to go, right? Only needs one of these guys to really take a hit, which is nice because you don't need both guys to go down. This is an offense that was really prioritizing one running back last year. They don't really have anyone else in the room to use to use it back in 2020, which is why Dave Montgomery had this amazing season, top five finish, had the highest percentage of snaps for running backs in the league. Ezekiel Lloyd had more total snaps. Dave Montgomery had the most snap, 71%. The only player to hit over 71% at the running back position. So you have Williams being able to either handle a passing role, or sorry, receiving role if Cohen is out, or carry the running load if Montgomery goes down because, again, such a heavy workload last year. I think that's a guy right now, last round, that's my running back I've been taking every single league because he doesn't need both guys to have something go down. They will prior, They will use both backs. They'll have both on the field. I like Day Moons a lot. Yeah, no, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. The process is definitely uh, is one that makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, I'm going to give two guys here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Ramondre Stevenson. Oh, yeah, we have to talk um, about Ramondre Stevenson. Now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's looked awesome in the preseason, you know, a big back, but he's got quick, quick feet, and he, and he can get out in the open field and run a little bit, so – I definitely like that and the move of Sony Michelle getting him, uh, sending him from New England to the L.A. Rams opens up his opportunity to be the number two running back here in what looks like to be a Mac Jones led offense, which I've said all along that I want this. I'm more interested in these Patriots running backs if Mac Jones is the quarterback because it makes it more like a like a real offense where instead of Cam Newton eating up 60% of the rushing and you know 60% of the rushing touchdowns or 40% of the rushing touchdowns and you know that there's really no opportunity there or there's limited opportunity there for the for the receivers and James White but Mac Jones I think he opens it up a little bit for everybody and then another guy that I'm interested in here is Tony Jones the New Orleans Saints I mean he's been apparently talked about as the backup running back to Alvin Kamara. And we know what that that backup running back to Alvin Kamara has meant in recent years in this New Orleans backfield. It has standalone value, and it also has that built-in upside, whereas if anything happens to Alvin Kamara, which we do see happen when he does have an increased workload, like we are anticipating him to have this first few weeks of the season, with Michael Thomas being out. So I think Tony Jones makes a ton of sense as a late, a, a last minute stash on your bench. 
Yeah, and listen, I, I, I really like that you picked the guys, too, because these are very fresh news players. Like, Roger Stevenson with that Michelle trade literally happening like two, three days ago. Uh, so we have between Stevenson, who, yes, he had the big run against Washington. You know, they're going to mix in backs. It's going to be very clean to say where he's going to mix in. Obviously not, but it's been Belichick. We've seen this for years. So Stevenson being, you know, between Harris being picked up in, what, the fourth, fifth, sixth round compared to Stevenson as one of your last picks. Yeah, I think it's a great really, you know, guy to really say like, hey, if it works his way, awesome, cool. And then and then Tony Jones. Yeah, so this is really interesting because Latavius Murray, Murray who's been the backup there for a few years, he works in with Camara on the field. So really like right now people are saying like who's the third receiver possibly on the field for the Saints? You have Traquan Smith and you have Callaway. Well, it's Alvin Kamara. They'll have him put out wide. He can do that. He can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. And you have another back in there. Latavius Murray apparently is on the roster bubble and might get cut. So now we have Tony Jones step in. And if Tony Jones is going to step into this offense like that, well, Tony Jones, right now you're getting at a discount. If you're drafting right now today, you're getting this like last pick undrafted sort of deal. We might be talking about by next weekend that he might be a running back in like the 40s or maybe the late thirties where you should be like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, this is an offense that needs offensive production. And if Tony Jones is going to be the main ball handler, because again, Alvin Kamara is not really designed to carry the ball 200 plus times. That's just not what he is. His main big trick is going out there and receiving just a buttload of passes. So that's what we like Alvin Kamara about. Keep Tony Jones running. We like that. I think those will work really good for the offense. I love those picks. Yeah, no, definitely love that. Um, let's move on to the wide receiver position. And Matthew, I got to ask you, well, any sleepers, Who's who do you got at the wide receiver position for us today? In terms of high-end sleepers, and these are, again, these are not particularly, you know, deep, deep, because I'll give you some deep sleepers, but there's a group of receivers right now where if they are like my one, two, and three, I think I'm happy taking them on like every single team. I'm curious to just see. I'm looking where they're going right now. So, so picks 89 and later, they're all basically right in a row with kind of like yeah, with DJ Chark kind of the middle. But let's let's not talk about him. Brandon Cooks, Antonio Brown, and Tyler Boyd. If I can have just those three receivers as my receivers on a team, I am stoked. I love those three. I love the upside that we can see possibly at these depressed prices going near wide receiver 40 overall in these uh, fantasy pros ADP for full PPR. Those are, again, those are not like mega deep last minute, this, you know, this sort of thing sleeper, but Antonio Brown over the time he saw in the, at the end, the 2020 season, one target behind Mike Evans for the uh, total led that team in red zone targets, Tyler Boyd. There's one thing I like about Tyler Boyd is I think he's going to handle a lot of the underneath work. If you're going to say that, Joe Burrow is going to be not able to throw the, you know, he's going to has under two seconds to throw. He's got a bad knee, bad offensive line. Why is T Higgins and why is Jamar Chase the preferred options? If he doesn't have the time to throw that far, Tyler Boyd, love him. Brandon cooks. This is a guy who's seen like 110 targets for like four different teams. Now I understand it's not to Sean Watson. I get that, but this team is going to literally need to throw the ball to someone. And Brandon cooks so far has been able to do it in a bunch of different ways for a bunch of different teams. If you don't like the running backs, I get it. But Brandon Cooks, at least, has the talent. Tyra Taylor is literally not the worst quarterback I've seen. But that's why we're baking into the price here around pick 90. He should be going probably as like wide receiver like 15 to 18. And we're getting wide receiver 36. So I love that. And again, I'll give some deeper guys. But 
I, I, I just want to guess. Are you going to say Corey Davis? Because I, I, I understand if you're going to say Corey Davis is one of your sleepers. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I talked about him recently in the fantasy heat check. So I, I would mention him. I mean, in as an honorable mention. But go ahead, have, have at it. No, no, no. no trust me. I, you know, everyone. I think at this point, everyone's kind of tired of hearing about Corey Davis. No, I just gave three. I want to hear what you want to say. <laughs> No, so honestly, I, I talked about him a little bit earlier, and I did actually talk about him during the fantasy heat check. But first one I have, Marquez Callaway. Oh yeah. Uh, you know he's he's a guy that the ADP, the the sites that you're drafting at, they haven't caught up to him yet, and so he's like a significant discount. I was just I just made the mistake of draft drafting without my own rankings, and I had recently moved Marquez Callaway up. And I failed to get him. And I was like looking like, oh, no, I hope he makes it back to me. And he didn't. He got (laughs) the pick right before. And so he's a guy that he's going to step into this number one role in the Saints offense, which we know the history of it is that the production is going to be there, whether you're talking about a guy like Michael Thomas or Brandon Cooks in the past or, you know, even we can go as far back to Marcus Colston like this. This position on this team has production under Sean Payton. And so I think Marquez Callaway, you know, he was a guy that flashed at times last year, in, to, in my opinion. And then this year he looks like a complete player in terms of his ability to gain separation. His ability, his, He just looks explosive. I mean, he was getting down the field. I mean, two ridiculous contested catches. So he's going to step in. There's no, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this guy walks into a 25% target share. So, and there's not many of those guys just chilling around in in drafts. And so, Marquez Callaway, I think, should be drafted closer to the top 30 of wide receivers. Um, and he's, I mean, obviously, like I said, the ADP is not going to be caught up there. Another guy that I have, and probably people have name fatigue, they probably feel. Like this guy has let them down in previous time, uh, previous times in the past, but he's also helped you out too. So give him some credit there. Marquez Valdez Scantling. He has, <laughs> he has received a ton of praise out of green Bay. I mean, they say that he's a completely different player. You don't see the drops as often. They don't show up uh, as frequently as they used to. And He's expected to be the number two receiver opposite Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb in the slot with Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. We know how valuable that role can be, and he doesn't need a lot of targets in order for him to come through for you. And he can just, especially if you're playing in half PPR leagues and you just need a flex spot, Marquez Valdez-Scantling makes a ton of sense as a guy. that You, you don't even have to draft him. You could pick him up week one, see, put him on your bench, see how he does, and just ride it out from there yeah i mean having rogers he was good on deep balls last year and rogers can throw him deep he can throw it accurately you know scantling was able to get away for a few things you know uh they make some big plays on a here and there sort of situation but having any piece of that green bay offense is definitely a good way to go uh marcus Callaway, you know i definitely agree at one point and a few days ago i was in the top five on fantasy pros in terms of highest rankers on him i'm now like 12th Everyone's kind of catching up in terms of, you know, the expert kind of guys, and they're moving them up, 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 up. Uh, and one last name I just want to throw in for the receivers, Russell Gage. I get he was very good in week one and then almost completely and utterly disappeared. 
I understand that Kyle Pitts was drafted, but he's still technically playing tight end. Currently in two wide receiver sets, Russell Gage is the secondary guy for the Atlanta Falcons. I am very high on him. I am like my, you know, top 40 receivers and you're getting him as wide receiver 59. Now that's a guy where I look at, it's like, I think too much of what year 20, you know, his first year, uh, sorry, last year is going to be talking about this year. I understand he was so disappointing when we want him to step into a larger role with Julio Jones going down, but now with Julio Jones completely gone, uh, he saw the second most snaps of any receiver. It wasn't Olamide Zacchaeus. It wasn't Julio Jones. It was Ridley. And then him, in terms of receiver snaps last year for the Falcons, I would like to believe that they're going to continue to do so. And I think he sticks around the field. They might go into more double tight end sets. They might help out the run game, you know, Sarah Mike Davis and Quadrillison. Let's see how that really works out. But I still think this is an offense that's going to need to throw the ball quite a bit. I believe my, uh, Matt Ryan has not thrown for less than 600 pass attempts in like three straight seasons. Uh, I'm going to just fact check that real quick because uh, – <laughs> Uh, 626, 616, 608. Boom. Matt was right. 600 pass attempts. And those are in 16 game seasons. And we add the 17th game. I believe we're going to be looking at another 600 pass season. That's just kind of been the MO. I understand new head coach, new offensive coordinator. Russell Gage, if he's going to be filling the secondary role, I'd like to think that there's an opportunity for him to have at least more than 100 yard game this year, maybe two. That'd be fun. But if he can just get over like two games of like 75 yards, because he only did that in week one and then completely disappeared. I understand how disappointed it was in 2020. That's completely baked into the price with currently a wide receiver 59. Like that. We got no, tight ends. Do we even have sleepers for tight ends? <laughs> no, I definitely have a couple. But actually, you you threw out some extra sleepers, and now you you had my brain ra- my brain rolling. Oh, and course. so I, there's two I I would be remiss if I did not speak about because I I literally could, couldn't stop speaking about one before po- pre draft and one post draft, and that is the two more guys, Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore, and I think both of these guys should be on your benches when you leave your fantasy drafts. I mean, Elijah Moore, I, I tweeted out one day, he had the loudest drum beat, drum beat in fantasy land at one point. Um, and, you know, his that quad injury literally was the best thing to happen to his ADP because if it had not stopped and had he played a preseason game and with Zach Wilson looking as good as he has, if that guy had played and looked, looked good, you know, the, that ADP would have been in an insurmountable place. But him and Rondell Moore can both be had outside of the top 50 of wide receivers. And if, the way I think about it is if I'm in a PPR league, like I would much rather have both of these guys as opposed to like a Gus Edwards as a, as a, as a spot on my bench, because I know what we say about, I know we understand like Gus Edwards is going to do for you. Uh, if Jake, if something were to happen to JK Dobbins, but that's like almost every other running back in fantasy and Gus Edwards is not going to have any upside in a PPR league because he's not getting these receptions. It's just going to be carries. He's basically a standard player in a PPR league. So let me get some upside here with these two wide receivers who Rondell Moore especially is going to be used in the run game, in the screen game for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, these guys are going to basically be like cheap PPR running backs that you can just stick in your flex, but they have the upside of wide receivers because, oh, wait, they're actually wide receivers. So both of these guys are two guys that I, I, I'm interested in, in grabbing late in my drafts. 
Yeah, Elijah Moore has gotten the most ooh nice pick that I've seen in like all these uh, these drafts I'm doing. Whenever he gets picked, someone's like, hell yeah, I wanted that guy. Like it, he's someone that everyone wants a part of. Uh, I I'm a little hesitant to see how quickly he gets to the hype, you know, that he could possibly rise to. Because again, I really like what the Jets are going to do. They're going to naturally see touches eventually to you know we they drafted the post. They're they're hopefully future wide receiver one and more. They got the QB one in Wilson, and hopefully the running back one in the future in Carter. How quickly we get to that point, who's to say? But I do like all three, especially a little bit different in Dynasty, but this is really for redraft purposes. And then Rondo Moore, it's going to be under uh, a kind of a rotating second chair at receiver for Arizona. Mont- Moore's going to come in. You're going to have Christian Kirk. You're going to have A.J. Green. They don't really have a solidified second guy. So they might see a few, you know, more wide receiver, three, uh, three wide receiver sets than we've seen in the past. They're going to try and mix and match and try and get the best assets of what they have on their roster. Currently. Uh, it is one of the funnier, you know, you know, QB to receiver sort of connections. Cause those are two very tiny guys, <laughs> but I think it's going to be something like, listen, you can't teach speed and Rondo Morris got speed. So I, I do like those picks quite a bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Let's move on to the tight end position. And I will give a, a guy here first, and that is Cole Komet. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I, I thought that maybe he wouldn't count, but it's tight ends. And I was in a draft today. He, he was undrafted. And, you know, he's a guy that just kind of sticks out to me because, you know, people talk about, oh, Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham. But one of the things I'll note is that last year, at the end of last year, during the last five or six games of the season – Cole Komet had like he played like 70 to 80 percent of the team snaps at the tight end position. And Jimmy Graham was playing 20 to 20 to 30 percent of the team snaps. And that number had basically flipped from the first 10 games of the season. And so this was a clear shift in in the, you know, the, the tight end, the distribution of snaps for the tight end position for the Bears. And one of the things you could even take away is that. This was not a situation where it's like, oh, hey, that this was the pre- previous coaching staff that did that. You know, this Cole Komet's not there. Not, no, this is the same coaching staff that one drafted, was there when they drafted Cole Komet in the second round and was there at the end of the season when they made the decision to play Cole Komet over Jimmy Graham. And so I think that they, that was a conscious effort to get him ready to play that role that he's playing, he's he's set to play this year. And this was a guy that got Rob Gronkowski uh, comparisons thrown his way. And, you know, th- while those are, you know, really large expectations and large shoes to fill, I mean, Gron- Gronk's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. <laughs> but Cole Komet, I mean, you, I definitely understand why people would say that. He's just a behemoth of a human being. He's a two. He's a traditional two-way tight end, which we don't really have much of these days. But you know, I think Cole Komet can make an impact, and especially you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, both guys. Even if you look at Justin Fields' time in college, both like to target the tight end, especially in the red zone. So I'm definitely excited about Cole Komet. A little bit of a higher end guy because he's not top 12, but he's pushing towards it. And I've just kind of been beating the drum. And if I don't talk about Johnny Smith every single day, it would be remiss. Uh, Johnny Smith, I still think, is the best overall in terms of past the top six tight ends you can get for uh, for the value. 
So currently tied in 14 in terms of ADP. Johnny Smith is, was brought in to New England to be their number one passing, uh, sorry, pass game option. Uh, the contract he has is only behind George Kittle and Travis Kelsey at the tight end spot. Getting paid that much and, you know, honestly, Hunter Henry is getting paid the same on a per year basis, just a less year, four year deal for Johnny Smith, $50 million. Hunter Henry, $37.5 million, three year deal. These are supposed to be trying to copy their big 2011 season. And I dug all into that, which is like, hey, they got two big guys here. Let's try and confuse the opposing defenses, make routes that have it that there's a high chance of success. And having these big stacked lines look like they're going to be run plays on every sort of given time. They can move them around to the outside if they want. And Johnny Smith is a very athletic guy. Hunter Henry more of a, you know, contested catch, going to be able to do the normal tight end stuff. He's very good in the red zone. But Johnny Smith is the athletic guy who can move all around. I like him as my tight end seven. I'm one of the highest in the industry on him. I absolutely love Johnny Smith. But to give a real deep guy who everyone kind of seemed to forgot about sleeper, it is currently August 27th. Zach Ertz is still on the Philadelphia Eagles. Zach Ertz is being drafted like he's not going to play football this year. Zach Ertz had 116 receptions literally three years ago. I understand that he's over 30 years old. Well, you're drafting a 31 tight end, 31 year old tight end currently in the first round in Travis Kelsey. So if we're looking at a sleeper on a team that needs offense, who has a little bit of a question mark in terms of what the quarterback's going to do in Jalen Hurts and how these sort of athletic but undersized receivers going to do on the outside. I really like Ertz and I really don't like Goddard because you're paying a top 12 billing for Goddard, currently tight end nine, and Zach Ertz is tight end 19. He's not being drafted. Listen, in a bad season that was very terrible for the entire Philadelphia Eagles, I understand not liking Ertz going into 2021. Listen, he's still got 72 targets in those 11 games. So you're still seeing around on average, you know, seven, six sort of targets per game. That's still something to kind of hang your hat on, considering that no one wants to even touch him. I get I get even when I said his name, you were like, mm, I don't know about that one. And I understand completely. But Zach Ertz is now the guy I prefer to draft in Philadelphia. If I'm going to draft a Philadelphia Eagles tight end, because I did not think we would be in this position. And this could change in literally three days. If they cut down the roster and he's not on the Eagles, cool. Cut this entire part out of the podcast. I'm fine with that. Let him go play for the Indianapolis Colts, and I would love that. I would love for him to go to the Colts. But as a tight end sleeper right now, you're going to ask me what I want to draft in like the last round? Zach Ertz. No, I, I, so I didn't make that face because I was poo-pooing <laughs> Zach Ertz. I made that face because I hate to admit that you're right. Ah, thank you. I <laughs> was on the don't draft Zach Ertz train last year, and I'm also one of those that have projected it as if he would not be on the roster this year, but he is still on the roster, so... Um, he, he presents himself a value. So I definitely agree with that one. Um, I'm going to throw out a deeper, a deep, deep one, like super deep, like two days ago, deep Jawan Johnson, um, tight end wide receiver converted to tight end for the new Orleans saints. Uh, a lot of saints. And it's understandable. Saints. And it, it's, it's, it's a team in flux. Here's the thing, right? And I, I'm just going to say why you're saying a lot of saints, because there's no one here with any sort of ADP or any sort of rank value that's going to hurt you. We yeah. have to we got to throw darts. A, a team I think I, kind of fits your billing as well is the Houston Texans. 
which I was saying like, hey, just kind of leave your draft with one of them at value. Because I have to... left my draft with a couple of Houston Texans, as dirty <laughs> as it sounds. They need to play off Lindsay and Brandon <laughs> Cooks. That's as far as I'll go. Yeah. Nico and... Collins, maybe. Yeah, they, they're technically when they go and have kickoff in week one, an offense will be played for New Orleans Saints. And yes, Marcus Callaway is probably, you know, outside of Kamara, leaning towards being the most expensive billing now. Depends on where Thomas is going to land. Some people might still draft him thinking he's going to be there in week one or two. But yeah, I'm with you. And if if Troutman is out for the year, we still have to wait on concrete news. Apparently he did dodge. The, you know, I the, mean, I'm still in on Jawan Johnson, even if Troutman comes back, because we saw that Troutman was used as this blocker on the Monday night football game. But then when it was third down or a, a passing down, Jawan Johnson was in there running as that big slot that Jared, you know, looked like almost like Jared Cook out there. Who's <laughs> not with the so, team anymore. So we'll make sure everyone's clear. He's over in yeah. LA now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So it's just when I look when I look at all that, I'm just like, and I and I'm this is coming from somebody that, you know, Jawan Johnson was somebody that I was plucking on dynasty rosters last year when he was a, a wide receiver coming out of the University of Miami. But now he I follow him. I followed him because I had him on the end of some dynasty rosters and, you know, was hoping he'd get a shot and, um, you know, ends up playing this, you know, they, they moved in the tight end. And the moment I see him out there on third down, I was like, Oh, I thought we were like two years away from this. Like this is, this is happening right now. So I went and put out all the leagues that I had cut him in. I had went and got him <laughs> back. So uh, we should have, guy, yeah. And we should have real news leagues. like real soon. So, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, th- I mean, deeper leagues, uh, I think, you know, if you're in like two tight end leagues or a tight end premium, um, you know, he he might make some sense. But if you're in a dynasty league, definitely, I would look to scoop this guy up for sure. And I just want to tell why. So Trauman's going to miss one to three weeks, possibly with an ankle. But he's seeing a specialist yesterday. We haven't gotten news today. So hopefully we get news tomorrow. Nick Vanette is out almost a month. So they both go down in the same preseason game. So now we're like, that's why we got to Juwan Johnson. Just want to fill those possible plot holes in for people. That's why we're on Juwan Johnson. Because again, if he's the only tight end out there, then that is valuable. Because tight end is a crapshoot. And we're looking for touchdowns and looking for fun stuff that doesn't exist normally. And if I want to get a tight end, I'm going to get me a freak like Juwan Johnson. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One last guy, because it's... He's gone. He's kind of disappeared from the public eye and the public attention uh, after he got to Cleveland. Uh, I just want to make sure everyone still is aware that Austin Hooper is a tight end that exists in the NFL because he's being he's the most like unsexy name and no one wants to talk about him or think about him. But he still exists and you can get him for free. And again, it's a matter of I think that offense worked best when they were doing short yardage passing, really, really hammering the the run game. They were, you know, mixing in three tight ends, which is really the problem where Hooper kind of fell into. Um, but if Hooper can have a fully healthy season and the offense clicks like it wants to, just kind of look at those kind of guys. Let's see how his week one sort of goes. If he even gets like four or five targets, I think we just have to start saying, like, okay, maybe Austin Hooper is – you know, back end of the of the roster sort of material after week one. Tight ends typically, you know, 
you're really looking for scores. And if they don't score, you're not happy outside of like the first few guys who get like seven, eight captures a game because, you know, Travis Kelsey has been so good for like six years running. So, <laughs> uh, but if, if you, do you have any other tight ends just to throw in there before we, uh, no, I mean, just to, just before we wrap it up, I just want to say hot takey. Harrison Bryant, greater sign, Austin Hooper in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, and, and that's the thing, right? I understand it's, it, you know, Hooper was brought in to be the guy, and then they have him and the joke when it was all kind of a mess. And that's why he's currently being drafted as the tight end 22. I just wanted to say he still exists. Another one who might be the greater sign then is Pat uh, Fryermuth. <laughs> the rookie tight end, Pat F. in Pittsburgh compared to Ebron. Uh, apparently there's really like a report, you know, kind of in the preseason games and the preseason camp work with Ben Roethlisberger. I like that offense quite a bit. I like that offense I mean, to throw 600 times. He caught a touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger that officially put him in, in the preseason game. So that officially put him on my radar. If you're a tight end, a young tight end catching passes from Ben Roethlisberger, that means that you have potential to catch more touchdown passes from Ben Roethlisberger. So, yeah, I'll definitely put him on my radar. But, Matthew, this pretty much wraps up this segment of looking at these players that are a little bit lower tier in terms of fantasy before we head out and into our drafts. I know, I know I've had a few drafts. I know you've had a few drafts. But most people are having their drafts either this week or next week. So we wanted to give you some sleepers to go out there with uh, before you, uh, you know, so, you know, so you could potentially walk out with one of these potentially potential lottery tickets um, when you walk out of your draft. But if you want to see more of this interaction right here, it's because you could either be watching this on YouTube, make sure you subscribe if you are watching on YouTube, or you could be listening to this on podcast platform, but you might want to check out, this show that I'm about to reference here on YouTube uh, and wherever else it will uh, be broadcasted to because me and this gentleman, this gentleman and myself are hosting, co-hosting a show together called off the grid where we will be looking at the players that are ranked outside the top 24 for that week. And we will be talking about why they have the possibility to potentially help you win your matchups in said week. So Matt and I are really excited about that. It will be a weekly live show every Wednesday. So you definitely will not want to miss that. Matt, anything that I that you might want to add to that? What is your excitement level for this show? And, and what do you want to tell the people? Very high. So we're going to be over on the Gridiron Ratings YouTube channel, that's for sure. You can over at gridironratings.com is where you can find most of what I do. Uh, listen, what we're going to be doing is really looking at guys that are being, you know, hovering in your flex. So, you know, quarterbacks is going to be like outside the top 12. Tight ends is going to be outside the top 12 or guys who can break into that top 12. So let's say a guy that's normally, you know, maybe Pat Freyermuth is going to be a guy that normally – we're not very high on, but we're, he's got a great matchup where he's getting a great rapport and people aren't raking, you know, if they're not ranking guys appropriately, these are guys that are going to be saying like, hey, you need to have these guys in your lineup. They need to be in your flex. They need to be looked at to have a good week. We're looking at the guys that you might not be normal stars, might be stream type players. These are guys that are trying to help you. It's a weekly sort of game. I just talked about a guy in week one who's going to be on that show. That's Jimmy G. 
Jimmy G against the Lions is going to be a guy that's going to be hovering in or actually confirmed to be in my top 12. I have to still do those rankings, so don't hold me to the fires on that one. But those are the sort of players we're looking at. I understand you like Mahomes, you like Travis Kelson, you like Christian McCaffrey. I like those players too, but we're not going to talk about those guys. None of those names are going to show up on that show, like 0%, unless we're talking about you know, a guy that we might want to start over them, which I hopefully never happens. I hope those guys are amazing players that we never need to talk about. And they're just always the best, but no, these are guys that are going to be difficult lineup decisions, not just guys we want to put into your lineup, but maybe guys we want to put out of your lineup as well. So I'm really excited. It's going to be on Wednesdays. We're going to try and get to you before those Thursday night games. We're going to have it overall. Like I said on the gridiron ratings, uh, YouTube channel. So make sure you, Go over there after you check out all the lovely stuff that John has over here. And I was very thankful that you called me up and had me stop on in so we could talk these sleepers. I love talking football and I love hanging out with you, John. And we're going to be able to do that at least once a week in the NFL season. Definitely. So I'm very excited for that. <laughs> Definitely excited about that, man. I mean, a weekly live show on the Gridiron channel. It's going to be dope, man. Me, you. It's going to be a fun time talking about these players that are off the grid. So... Matt, let's close it out here, man. Where can people find you? Obviously, Gridiron Ratings, at Methodical One. What is it that you've got cooking these days that people need to know about other than our fantastic show that we have coming up? <laughs> so over actually on GridironRatings.com right now, I had three articles drop this week. Boom, boom, boom. I thought there was going to be a hurricane that was going to knock out my power for a little bit, and I had school starting, so I had to make sure I got a lot of content in real quick. But what are in those articles? It's trying to help you out in those online draft lobbies. We've got CBS, ESPN, and Sleeper. Draft Strategy by Platform is the series. Look it up. It's under my name, Matthew Carney. I'm looking into seeing some undervalued and overvalued players in those draft clients to make sure that you're not taking players that I don't think should be going where they are. So let's say... Maybe Mike Evans is listed as the wide receiver six on ESPN, and I have him as wide receiver 19. He's going to show up saying, do not draft this guy. Draft these guys instead. That's kind of the gist. It's going to be full PPR. That's why those platforms are chosen. I am a full PPR boy. That's how I do my rankings, how I do my analysis. So if you like that sort of stuff, stick around for ground ratings for sure. Definitely. Absolutely, Matt. Well, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you all for checking in with us. Appreciate y'all for watching. And again, make sure you go check Matt out. Make sure you go check out his work at gridironratings.com. And make sure you tune in every Wednesday, starting the Wednesday before the season opener, so that you can definitely catch off the grid because it's going to be live. So appreciate y'all and uh, appreciate the love. And we'll catch y'all later. Peace. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Diagnostics Podcast, where we provide you with your weekly diagnosis of everything fantasy football, whether it's season-long leagues, dynasty, DFS, or sometimes even IDP. We got you covered all year long. 